This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Invest Talk. And it's a reality check. I just looked up at the calendar. Again, yes, it is August 27th. I know the year has flown by. We're in the last month of the of the summer. Uh, Labor Day holiday will be here in living color this coming weekend. So for most people, this will mark the end of summer. With that being said, I hope you enjoyed the special month of June, July, and August. Special, special months, really. And as everyone and as everyone's headed back to school and back to work, may also mean that most of our Invest Talk listeners are ready to up their game with the objective of improving their investment earnings, investment knowledge, investment expertise, and just financial expertise overall. Because the world is uh, seriously lacking when it comes to that, right? We, we Nobody's really formally trained these days in the financial world uh, and just personal finance in general. And so that's our job here each and every weekday is to improve your game, up your game when it comes to your financial and investment knowledge. And I'm Justin Klein, and on today's program, we'll be getting to a- into answering your questions, your investment and, re- investment and related financial questions. This will improve your investing skill set and very likely make you an above-average investor. That's our goal each and every weekday on Invest Talk. Now, here's a scary fact. With every escalating cost of, with, with the ever-escalating cost of real estate, there are many cities where owning a home is nearly impossible for middle-class families. So I'm going to look into that in just a few minutes. But first, your financial and investment questions will drive today's agenda. So here's a question that came in earlier on a 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, it's Carl from Philadelphia. Uh, do you know of an exchange-traded fund, that an index fund that covers the S&P 1500 by any chance, preferably one that's equally weighted? Thanks. Bye. Hmm. I haven't heard of the S&P 1500. Let's take a look. Ah. Interesting. Well, uh, I'm on Y-Charts. If you're watching our YouTube live stream, uh, we use Y-Charts. It's a, it's a pretty uh, pretty awesome service. And uh, I'm looking up S&P 1500. There is the S Spiders S&P 1500 Momentum Tilt ETF. And then the 1500 Value Tilt ETF. So Momentum is MMTM. And the Value one is VLU. So it looks like those are two that are... Probably what they're doing is taking the S&P 500, S&P 1500, which is obviously a much broader index, uh, and then that is looking uh, using that that universe and either tilting for value in one case VLU and momentum in the other MTUM uh, or was it MMTUM? Yeah, MMTM. So I don't say one that's encompassing all of them. Uh, if you want to go with the broader 
index. Uh, Wilshire 5000 is going to be the broadest index that you are going to find. Okay, the Wilshire 5000. Uh, you could also go with the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index. That's obviously going to be very broad as well. But I like the fact that you are broadening it out because so many people are indexing into just kind of the, the major, there are any major indexes, uh, the S&P 500, the Dow or the NASDAQ, uh, maybe the Russell 2000. And certainly Russell 2000 is broad, but it's also small and mid-cap stocks, and it kind of eliminates the large-cap stocks. So if you want to be more broadly diversified, maybe get a little bit of exposure outside of the major holdings of the major indexes, uh, I like the ETFs that are broadening out uh, the indexes a little bit more. Thanks for the call. 888 chart 888 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now this headline should grab your attention. Cities where the middle class can no longer afford a home. According to the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, families that pay more than 30% of their income on housing are considered cost burdened and may have difficulty affording rent as well as other necessities such as food, clothing, transportation, and medical care. So this was from usatoday.com. Now, the poorest families are most likely to be in this situation. Skyrocketing home prices in the U.S. metropolitan areas have caused the nation's housing affordability crisis to spread to a large number of middle-class Americans. So this is a combination of tight supply of homes and rising interest rates along with stagnant wages. Right. So if you're planning to achieve an essential component of the American dream, that is owning a home you may be facing a difficult challenge. So here are the top five most budget-busting cities in order. Number five, Honolulu, Hawaii. Not a real big shock, but the median household income there is $80,500. The homeownership rate is only 54%. And urban Honolulu is one of the seven metro areas nationwide where over half of all middle-income households are cost-burdened. That's a lot. Uh, let's see. Number four, San Diego. The median single-family home in Carlsbad, San Diego, is five hundred seventy thousand. The income is only seventy thousand. So homeownership is only fifty-two percent. Number three, Oxnard, Thousand Oaks, Ventura, California. That would be if you live in the LA area. That'd be more like the Valley be considered the valley. Median family home there is 578,000 and the median income is only 80,000. Home ownership rate 62%. Number 2, and this shouldn't shock any of our northern California listeners uh, who are listening live on KDOW 12 AM 1220 up there in San Jose, Sunnyvale, Santa Clara, the median single family home value, get this, 1.2 million. I tell that uh, to a lot of people down here in Southern California all the time. And I just read off two uh, Southern California areas where the median home value is in the high 500s. I say these houses, average home here in the Bay Area, double. And it's true. Even though the median family income, household income is 110000 the median home value is $1.2 million. Home ownership rate, 56%. 
and if you've if you followed along there, the average worker who isn't working in tech is having a tough time living, just getting by. You know, the person who works at Starbucks or um, you know just a kind of a regular job, they can't really afford living there. So that's certainly the most extreme. Now, when the 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 fervent investment uh, overinvestment in tech kind of subsides I'm sure that will 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 change a little bit uh, but that brings us to number one San Francisco Oakland Hayward 909,000 average medium household income 96,000 and once again same thing except for the fact that there's even less land it's very constrained within that area so California the four of the five top most constrained housing markets in the country and that does not shock me at all so in summation you'll notice a pattern California and of course there are other cities in different parts of the country that are very expensive as well Portland Oregon Portland Vancouver Hillsboro that area Baltimore Columbia Maryland and Denver Aurora and Lakewood Colorado kind of top the list so if you have a job in an expensive city and perhaps you're stuck there because your family also lives in that city you have to leverage your financial assets in the best way you possibly can that's why you're listening to the show so I offer two words of advice portfolio planning financial planning obviously I can help you with this I'm also a licensed real estate consultant as well so don't be afraid to reach out to start a conversation Get some advice, general ideas of what you should do going forward. You can call me or Steve Peasley at our office in Dana Point, California. Get a message through us via investtalk.com. Now, the lines are open. I'm ready to take your questions at 888 chart This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And you may have noticed that we get plenty of specific stock questions on the program each and every weekday. And that's fine. I try to broaden them out, give a lesson to everybody. But Steve and I can also help promote your understanding of various investing terms, practices, strategies, how the market works as well. So give us your question, all types of questions at 888-99-CHART. It's a Monday Invest Talk. August is almost over. School's back in session. Labor Day is this coming weekend, but there's still time for you to sharpen your investing skill set. Stay with Invest Talk. Justin's here now, and he's taking your finance and investing questions live. 888 99Chart. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. That's how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now our main talking point today concerns the Federal Reserve Chief and his ability to navigate treacherous political and economic waters. Certainly, the Federal Reserve's role in recovery from the financial crisis over the last ten years has been paramount. Uh, frankly, we wouldn't be where we're at today without it. Uh, and you could say that's for better or for worse. I could e easily argue on both sides of that. And in spite of the political landmines, analysts expect the Fed to continue its gradual tightening of interest rates. 
but how far can they go? What backlash will he get from Trump? And is there, you know, what is the Federal Reserve's role really uh, in the economy? So we're going to talk about that. Also, if time permits, I want to talk about what we have to talk about, which was a, a oddly timed blog post, not an 8K, which probably what should have happened, but uh, Elon had a blog post on Friday on the Tesla website about them staying public. So I'm going to go over that and dissect it a little bit and kind of reveal the truth because we all know Elon has a lot of trouble with that. And then we're going to discuss home values and how home values are slowing because buyers are becoming more apprehensive. And what do the economic numbers look like? And when I say economic numbers, I'm talking about home sales, supply of homes, etc. Those are going to be very important to see where the housing market is going. And then lastly, financial wellness. There are a lot of financial wellness programs. It's a, it's a hot word in the 401k industry. Because frankly, the 401k industry is broken when it comes to really helping workers. Right, the a typical 401k is here's a list of funds, here's an enrollment meeting. We'll try to explain to you as best we can what a large cap fund versus an emerging market fund versus a junk bond fund is or are. But beyond that, there's not much help, uh, and that's probably one of the reasons why you're listening to the show because you need more help beyond that. Besides that. So we're going to talk about where the industry lags in that sense when it comes to financial wellness. So ultimately, I want to hear from you. I want to know what's on your mind. Okay, This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I hope you'll subscribe to the Invest Talk podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Then listen, rate, and review. Please tell your friends about our Invest Talk platforms, radio, podcast, live web stream, and of course, investtalk.com. Well, it's a busy Monday. August is coming to a close. It's the last Monday of August. If you can believe it, it's true. But the phone lines are open. 888-99-CHART. If there is ever a moment when you question how well your portfolio is doing or maybe how well it should be doing, Make time to look into the various investment strategy programs available to clients of KPP Financial. Just head over to investtalk.com, roll over the InvestTalk programs menu link, and read all about the investment strategy programs. And now, we're taking your financial and investment questions live, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Raphael in New Jersey. He wants to talk about Baba, Alibaba. Hey, Justin. How you doing? I'm doing great. What can I do for you? Uh, I just wanted to talk about Alibaba real quick and get your take mm -hmm. on it, too. Um, I, I've been listening to you guys for about five years, maybe six. Uh, mm -hmm. Love the show. It's mm -hmm. Aces, by the way. And um, the thing I notice about when people call the show is they're always giving you a name and you guys are like, oh, it's too far, it's run already. You know, it's, it, it's extended, mm -hmm. you got to wait for a pullback, stuff like this. 
and that's over and over. And I think it's because a lot of people just wait. They 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 want to see the positive show. And so I look at Alibaba, and I'm seeing an opportunity of a lifetime here. I mean, they have limited they have limited exposure to the United States, and you have 1.4 billion people, and the place is growing five six percent GDP a year. What do you, what do you think, Justin? Well, in my I'll, I'll kind of go a little bit broader in my study and 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 uh, deeper dive into into Tesla. Uh, I've I've discovered um, kind of a, a list of companies that are shady in some in some respects, uh, whether that's from the reporting standards, uh, whether that's from the businesses that they operate, uh, and frankly, Alibaba has come up many times on uh, that list. Uh, so that's the first thing that that worries me is uh, they have very aggressive accounting practices. Now, I don't know the deeper dive details on Alibaba as well as I do Tesla, to be frank, but I I, I worry that, that that'll probably be my next uh, big dive, to be frank, because I think it's a very interesting story because of China. Uh, there's always been an error, an error, uh, 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 a cloud, shall I say, hanging over all Chinese stocks because majority of them have very very unique shall we say or uh aggressive counting practices that make me weary of just the space in general uh and then you look at uh, their recent numbers like alibaba their growth on the revenue side still remains in the 60 to 70 percent range but the earnings last quarter were only th up three percent year over year now does that mean that they are starting to adjust their shady accounting practices uh, I'm not sure. Uh, is that uh, a really just simply uh, they're doing the same shady things and adding on top of that their business is slowing and that they can't really hide it with enough uh, shady accounting practices to really um, uh, to, to really sh show a, a great result. Either way, I don't like it. And I don't like the chart. It's really gone sideways for the past uh, year or so uh, and it's still pretty expensive. Uh, it's a $570 billion market cap. So, you know, to say that it's something that I would say is going to go to zero because of their shady accounting practices, no, I don't think it's something like that. But I do worry uh, about the things that I've seen. Like I said, I haven't seen the deeper dive like I have Tesla, but I really would be careful with Alibaba because of those reasons. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Thanks for the call, Raphael. Right, Let's go to Rob in Santa Clara. Hi, good afternoon. Uh, I, good afternoon. I have these two stocks I'm looking at, uh, SBNY and IBZ. I was wondering what you uh, think of them. Okay, SBNY, this is a bank, if I'm not mistaken, right? Correct. It's a bank, right? Okay, signature Bank. They, yeah, they holding just, company for Signature Bank. Yes. Out of New signature York. Uh, in the, yeah, small bank, $6.3 billion market cap. They only have 29 offices in the New York metropolitan area, so Northeast Regional Bank. Revenue is growing 14% mm -hmm. year over year. year. Earnings growing 28% year over year. Yield uh, Yields at 1.9%. 
Frankly, I, I just, just don't love banks. A dividend just recently, I think in the last few months. They never had a dividend before. So I think things are looking up for them, and uh, the stock has been beaten down. Uh, I was just thinking this might be a good time to get in. Well, I'm just frankly not a big fan of banks. You have the yield curve inverting. You have a economic cycle that is certainly in the latter innings, whether it's the seventh, eighth, or ninth inning. Uh, it will time will tell, and depends on what you know uh, length of time you're you're looking at. But I do think it is in the latter innings, and yeah, it's had a recent pop, uh, but the relative strength is just terrible, about 15 on the relative strength index. Uh, so it's certainly underperforming the market, even though the, the, the financials in general are. So I would definitely not be buying Signature Bank. What was the other one? IVZ. Invesco? I, oh, IVZ. Uh, Invesco. Uh, this is certainly a deep value name. Uh, this is a, a, a an active manager, right? It's going to be. It's, a, it's an active manager. So you're. I'm sorry. So you're. You're getting. They're getting killed by indexing, to be frank. Uh, and if the market goes down, you go into bear market, they're going to get just killed again. Uh, even though relatively more money would go into them. Uh, so to me. I'm not a fan uh, of either of these names. Thanks for the call. Our podcast continues next. First, good reason number five for a portfolio checkup with Steve. Steve says that many portfolios he looks at are weighted in just one or two sectors. A diverse mix of market sectors is so important to the health of a retirement portfolio. Steve can help you reorganize your retirement portfolio. He can make suggestions about the sectors of the future. And if you'd like, a KPP financial program that fits your goals and your life situation. There's never a cost for InvestTalk listeners and no sales pitch or obligation of any kind ever. To schedule your one-on-one -on -one conversation with Steve, just go to investtalk.com and click on the InvestTalk tab and then Portfolio Review, or you can call 888-99-CHART and follow the prompts. And now let's continue with the podcast. Have you subscribed to the Invest Talk podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play? If not, please do so. Then listen, rate, and review. This helps us improve our Invest Talk programming. And now, Justin's here and he's taking your calls. 888 99 Chart. Let's go to Will in San Diego. He wants to talk about Valero Energy Corp. That's right, Justin. Uh, good afternoon. But before we get to the stock, how much longer do you think this bull market has to run? Uh, well, I don't think a whole lot longer. I think the economy is going to slow to some degree in the second half of the year. And how much that impacts the overall equity markets, it's going to be a self-fulfilling self uh, uh, domino effect, I think. Uh, I think we'll have a pullback in the market because of slowing growth. I don't think it'll be, oh, we're going into a recession. We're not going to go from 4% GDP growth in the second quarter to a recession by the end of the year. 
But I could easily see us get back into the, the, the low threes, high twos in the GDP growth. And then that's when you start seeing uh, the, the market adjusting. Uh, and if people start to panic out of index funds and things like that, then I could see that uh, snowball effect pushing into the overall economy. Um, so I don't know, to be frank, but I don't think it's a whole lot longer. I think we're in the eighth or ninth inning of this bull market. So let's talk about Valero. Do you own it, looking yeah. to buy it? What is it? I own it. I've owned it for a long time, and I'm thinking maybe now is the time to take some chips off the table. You know, it had a run-up and then a pullback, and it seems to be back in an uptrend again. So mm -hmm. um, how much more do you think this stock has to run? Well, are you are you a long-term holder? Uh, you use this kind of a, a kind of a swing trade, a medium-term trade that you're no, no, no. looking long, for an exit. Long-term holder, long-term holder. Well, I I think then I would hold it for a longer time frame then because I think it's still a good company. You look at a return on equity of 21%, a return on invested capital of 14%. It yields about two and a half percent. Its payout ratio is 29%. Dividend Cash dividend payout ratio is only 40%, so certainly room for it to raise its dividend. Uh, the, the debt is modest, a $57 billion enterprise value on a market cap of $51 billion, meaning they have about $6 billion or so in debt. So that's a good thing, which is a modest for their level of revenue and profits and cash flow. Operating earnings yield of 8.05 and free cash flow of $1.6 billion in the last quarter. So this is a company that long-term has good earnings potential and will be a good long-term hold. However, you are, like I said before, late in the cycle. It's going to be a very cyclical name, right? And that might be something to worry about. But like you said, you're a long-term holder, so you would hold through a bear market, right? Yeah, I've held it through a bear market, and then it, it made me a little bit nervous a few months ago when it dropped from like 125 down to like 106 or so. so. Well, then, then to me that tells me you're not a, a, a long-term holder. You know, if you're getting nervous about it, then it tells me that you're going to panic out at some point. You know, if this goes from 120 to to 90, you're you're not going to be a very happy camper, and you might jump ship and that tells me you really shouldn't have as much in your portfolio in this name as you do because you're so worried about it because you know you go back to 2009 2010 let me go actually let me go all the way back to the recession uh, and once again if you're on uh, Y charts or you're or you're listening to uh, let's see I'm trying to get a full chart here if you're on uh, our YouTube live stream you'll see the full picture but in 2000 I mean, I'm trying to go way back oh this company went bankrupt did it not if I'm remembering this correctly I, I don't think so I'm trying to get a I'm trying to, I'm, yeah I'm trying to get a long long chart on this and it's not really working maybe it's because uh, they did go bankrupt but my point is this is a very cyclical name so this could easily go down 40 or 50 percent in a recession and if you are that worried about it, if it's if a drop that like like that recently had, it kind of I don't say keeps you up at night, but you worry about it, it means it's too big of your portfolio, bigger percentage. So what I would do is cut it to a. 
because it's grown. Yeah. I've held it for many, many years. So it's really. Then I would cut it back. Like what percentage of your overall portfolio is it today? I, I think it's approaching uh, one third because it's grown so much. Then absolutely, you should be taking money off the table here. That is absolutely way too high a percentage of your portfolio. I would cut that back to five percent or less of your overall portfolio. And this is a good time to do it. Like I said, we're late in the cycle. Certainly a good company, but no company, anybody should ever have a third of their of their portfolio in one particular company. Now, it's nice that it's gone up, and I'm sure that's grown into that. You didn't buy it like that, so it's a. Uh, it, it, it kind of probably evolved over time that way, but this is certainly right. a great time to be cutting back that back to about five percent of your overall portfolio. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, that makes sense. That okay. Makes sense. Thanks for the call. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks for the call, Will. No problem. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. That's how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now let's talk a little bit about the Fed. And uh, the Fed minutes or Fed announcement came out earlier this month, or maybe it was the maybe it was the very yeah well, I think it was the very beginning of this month. And then the the beige book came out I think last week, and the end result is the Fed was going to raise rates in September, and that shouldn't surprise anybody. It's basically priced in the market, so there's nothing that you can really do to front run it or trade around it, it's priced into the market. However, the futures market is saying that we are going to, they're, they're going to cut rates in 2020. So the futures market is saying there will be a recession in the latter part of 2019, which I probably agree with. Now, what's most interesting recently is the comments out of the White House. And President Trump has started to criticize the Fed for raising interest rates. And what he is doing is setting up an excuse for the next recession. Because right now he's talking about the record high in the stock market. He's talking about great GDP growth. And certainly, some of his policies have contributed to that. You can't, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, tax cuts have helped the economy. Now, they've hurt the budget, and whether that's a good thing in the long term is debatable. But it has been a benefit to the economy, at least so far. Now, is that the sole reason the economy is where it's at? No, you know I thought I thought it was funny the other day when they were they were asking him if he gets impeached, what would happen? He said, "Well, everyone would be very poor," and I thought that was very interesting because I don't think the the country was poor before him. But this goes back to my premise before Trump, before any president of my lifetime. The president gets too much blame when the economy goes bad, and too much credit when the economy does good and the president can move legislation that is both good and bad for the economy in at the margins right like for example the tax cuts did we get four percent gdp in the second quarter all because of the tax cuts no 
Was it maybe a half a percent of that gain? Sure, maybe. But the point is that there is going to come a time, like I said, 2019, 2020, where the economy is not doing nearly as hot as it is today. And Trump is setting up for the Fed to be the fall guy. That's what's happening. It's going to happen. Now, the Fed, for everyone out there, is supposed to be independent. It's not supposed to be swayed by the pol the politics of the day. Now, certainly we're in an environment where politics are very diversive. People plant themselves typically on one side of the aisle. Me, personally, I do not. But that's typically how it works. And so the right right now says the economy is good because of Trump's policies. And I guarantee that if we go into recession or the economy slows down considerably, that the left will blame Trump's policies. That's just the way it is. And I would say both sides are somewhat right. But like I said, the president gives too much blame and credit. Or gets too much blame, gets too much credit. But what you're going to see is a fight between the president and the Fed. And the Fed is really the driver of the overall economy. Why? Because liquidity in the system is what drives the economy. Lending, business activity, and liquidity conditions in the global financial system matter more than these little policies that are enacted. And that goes for this administration, past Democratic administrations, and Republican administrations. That's simply the way it is. And so be on the lookout for this, and it's going to be very interesting to see how this develops over the next year or two. I'm Justin Klein. I thank you for making time to join us here each weekday from about 4 until 5 p.m. Pacific time. It's streaming live on investtalk.com and broadcast live in the Bay Area on AM 1220 KDOW. Now, investtalk, <clears throat> just what do we do here? Well, we try to accomplish as much as we can for you. The idea is that the more you listen, the more you will learn about investing and related financial topics. And our theme at InvestTalk is above average investing for the average investor. Translation, you do not need to be an expert. Steve and I are the experts. So all you need to do is bring to this hour is your willingness to listen and learn and hopefully apply those lessons. And call with your questions. So I want to hear from you at 888-99-CHART. Steve Beasley's August 29th Portfolio Review Appointments Calendar for this Wednesday in San Jose is now filled. So thank you, InvestTalk listeners. However, if you're not able to meet with Steve in San Jose and you are serious about improving the efficiency, security, and performance of your portfolio, you are welcome to contact Steve or Justin at their Dana Point, California office. And of course, you can easily get a message through to them at investtalk.com. 
Invest Talk Radio continues now. Remember, you can invite your friends to listen live weekdays in the 4 o'clock hour Pacific time or whenever they want from the podcast player page at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Justin's here and he's ready for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hello, this is uh, Jeff in Woodland, California. I have a question about American Waterworks. I am trying to sandbag my portfolio a little bit against a potential uh, recession. I would just be very interested in your comments and opinion on American Waterworks. Thank you. All right, he's looking at American Water Works Company Incorporated. This is a water utility. It provides water and wastewater utility services to 15 million customers in 46 states and one Canadian province. Revenue growth, low single digits, 1% year over year, boring utility. Earnings are up 9%, supposed to be up 9% this year, 9% again next year, yields 2.1%. Overall, you know, I think it's okay. It's not my favorite name out there, but its return equity is 8.5%. You can expect high return equity numbers from utilities. They're regulated. Uh, they're mandated to not be too profitable, right? So you can't expect too much, but a, a nice 8-10% return equity from there isn't the worst, uh, worst way to go. Enterprise value to EBITDA, one of my favorite metrics. This is 14. This is a little high for a low growth name, low profitability name. So it's a, it's a little expensive for my taste. I like where you're looking. I like that you're looking at utilities. I like that you're looking for yields. But my issue is this doesn't pay big enough of a dividend, 2.1%. It's a little on the expensive side from uh, you know a, a, a ratio standpoint. And so I give it maybe a 7 out of 10 if I'm going to rate it. I think there's definitely better utilities out there. But I don't think you're going to do terrible being in this because, once again, it's a utility. I like the space. Uh, and it's probably one of the better water companies out there. I don't know if it's the best one. But I give it a nice 7 out of 10. Thanks for the call. 888 chart 888-992-4278. Now we have about... Oh, I think we're going to break. Our Monday show is just about over. But we've still got about 10 minutes left in the program. So let's talk about the investment questions that are on your mind. Get your calls in now at 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk. With over 100 million subscribers, Netflix has the lead share of the $20 billion streaming sector. And now Netflix is testing ads between episodes. Steve will break down the story tomorrow. But now, Justin's here, and he's ready and waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Sam in the Bay Area. He wants to talk about insurance. Yeah. Hello, Justin. How are you? I'm great. Yep. Uh, just wanted you to elaborate a little bit more on the, the permanent life insurance. And I know you don't like those. And just wanted to get your take on why you don't 
think it's a good investment vehicle. You know, the whole life, the very the uh, universal life, those types yeah. of insurance. If you can elaborate how they work and why they are not good investment vehicles, that would be great. Yeah, they're they're terrible investment vehicles because they have very very high fees embedded in them. Uh, you don't realize that, uh, but they're they're hidden in the, in the the fine print, uh, as well as they're, they're you're locked up. Your money's uh, locked up. I know they'll say that you can borrow against it, but the bottom line is you're borrowing your money. You're paying to borrow. You can you, you it costs you to borrow that money. There are, there are costs associated with it. Okay, and if you ever wanted to get out completely, there are costs associated with that as well. There's lockup periods, things like that. Insurance is insurance. If you want to buy insurance, buy term life insurance. If you want to make an investment, open an IRA, open a brokerage account. Hell, buy an annuity. I wouldn't recommend it, but uh, it's better to do it in that way. Because all those universal whole life policies are, they're term life policies wrapped in some sort of an annuity. And when you give your money to the insurance company, it's no longer yours. It's theirs. Does that clarify it, Sam? Yeah, yeah, I think that, that explains uh, a little bit. I just uh, wondered the benefits of, you know, the, um, they say it's a, it's a tax deferred growth and, uh, you know, the income mm-hmm. will be uh, tax-free. Um, but, but, you know, I just don't know the details of that tax uh, implications. Well, you can do a lot of that with some sort of an IRA or your 401k. Uh, if you're self-employed, a SEP IRA or a solo 401k. There's a lot of other vehicles that are tax deferred that you don't have to worry about that. And you have a lot more control on the investments as well as the fees that you're paid, uh, paying. So I would avoid any type of whole term or whole or universal life policy. And trust me, I... We have never once had a client come to us that was that had bought a variable annuity, a universal life policy, or a whole life policy, and were happy that they did it. They were all trying to get out of it in some way, shape, or form. So I hope that clarifies it for you, Sam. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling. Let's go to the topic of the day before our close, and that's about Tesla. Uh Elon wrote in a blog post at the end of the day on Friday. Uh, I believe it was after 10 p.m. Eastern. And first off, let me tell you, no public company has ever issued anything positive at 10 p.m. on a Friday. So the timing of it is very shady in and of itself. He, they, they came to the conclusion on Thursday, yet they didn't want to inform the public until late Friday when everyone's out having drinks with their friends and family or asleep. So what did he say? Well, Elon said, earlier this month, I announced that I was considering taking Tesla private. No, no, no. You said you were and there was funding secured. Clearly, you it was not funding secured. He committed securities, fraud, market manipulation. There's really no way you can argue otherwise. So what the SEC is going to do about this will be very interesting. Now, it could be just a fine. Granted, very well could be. I think that's the minimum that will come down on Tesla and Elon. 
And the board's culpability or negligence here is also probably going to be punished in some way. And I think there's a real possibility Elon goes to jail because this could be a criminal charge. So I hope uh, I could go deeper into this, but the bottom line is it is really a circus over at Tesla and it is going down fast. That's it for a Monday, another Invest Talk radio show destined to be posted within the hour to our podcast player library at investtalk.com. Thanks for listening, and please come back tomorrow. I'm Justin Klein. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.